the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Thursday, February 8th, 2024. I am Seth Leibson. Mr. Bill, good to see you. David Dahl, good to see you. Miss Terry is here. 602-508-0960. I have a lot to say about the special prosecutor's report regarding Joe Biden, which please bear with. What I'm going to say now is prefatory to it. A couple things top of mind. First, in my ongoing efforts under the category of this is how the media does it and trying to point out how they spray bias with their ink like a drunken squid, NBC News put up a story on Joe Biden's necromancy with Helmut Kohl twice discussing yesterday an imaginary conversation he had with the German leader that he could not possibly have had given Cole's death years prior to the time Joe Biden said the conversation took place. It est when he was the U.S. president and the same helmet Cole who left office when Bill Clinton was president. This is the latest iteration of Joe Biden thinking he spoke to Francois Mitterrand in the same meeting as uttered just days before that. The story or yarn that Joe Biden is spinning with these ghosts to revivify Donald Trump as Banquo itself makes no sense and is a fiction dramatized to state what didn't take place, namely that two Capitol police were killed by rioters on January 6, 2021. I don't really know why Joe Biden doesn't just fully complete the Shakespearean illusion here and make it three police to mimic the three witches in Macbeth who lurked like dark thoughts and unconscious temptations to evil in his mind. For Joe Biden could make it any number he wants, really, since any number above zero police killed by rioters on January 6th is chimerically untrue. But this is not my main point, at least not yet. My main point is how the media lies. I would say propagandizes, but that's too innocent a word. A lie is an untruth. And the media broadcasts untruths, as it does in this NBC story. And in such a subliminal manner, it almost goes without notice to the unfocused or untrained eye, which is to say, for most of the eyes they write for. Here is the sentence in the NBC story, quote, Biden's likely 2024 opponent, former President Donald Trump, has also had recent slip ups, close quote. Notice the plural slip ups. So we now should expect a couple of examples from NBC, right? We don't get them. The story only gives us one, which makes it a slip up, not slip ups. Slip ups simply is inaccurate, untrue, a lie. The one the story gives us is the Nikki Haley, Nancy Pelosi transposition from a few weeks back. About that transposing of names, more was made of it than should have been. It was a pounce by the media and by Nikki Haley to criticize Donald Trump over a linguistic misdemeanor at worst. So far as we know, it's a one-off by Donald Trump, not another of a bountiful series of bountiful examples in a series of routine of routines of this sort of thing as we receive from Joe Biden. And moreover, 
It's the slip up of the mo- of the kind most of us routinely do ourselves, like when I say Hugh Hallman for Hugh Hewitt, as I sometimes do, or David Murray instead of Douglas Murray. It's not even a senior moment, really. It's just a focus on the wrong part of the thought in a sentence or something like that. Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi both have Trump in their crosshairs. He criticizes them back in turn often, and their names are syllabically similar. I don't mean to come off overly protesteth too much on this point, but it's not the same thing as what Biden does. It just isn't. It's not Francois Mitterrand for Emmanuel Macron, and it's not Helmut Kohl for Angela Merkel, wherein on the latter they aren't even of the same gender, much less. But we can know, aside from that, the media will lie to us as routinely as Joe Biden will mistake a fact or misstate a fact is that Joe Biden is making the conversation up entirely as much as he continually reinvents the circumstances of his son's Beau's death. And he does so with extreme prejudice because, again, despite what was initially reported, just as when it was reported Israel bombed a hospital killing 300 people when it was a bombing by the Islamic Jihad that took out a parking lot and a small number of people, no rioters killed any police, near or in the Capitol, or anywhere in the District of Columbia, on or around January 6th, 2021. Here's a suggestion for Karen Jean-Pierre. Should Peter Ducey ask her about this, as he did two days ago when it was about Francois Mitterrand, instead of her delivering, delivering a non sequitur, as she did, telling Ducey in the world that Joe Biden doesn't have any issues of age because you see him actually traveling here and there and everywhere— She can just put a stop to all this speculation about Joe Biden's mental condition quite easily. Simply say, Peter, this isn't an age issue. You've seen the clips of Joe Biden lying and lying and lying about his academic achievements and responsibilities for years. In fact, so much so it forced him out of the race for president in 1988. He's been doing this forever, Peter. It's nothing new. If this were an age issue, he wouldn't have been doing it in 1988 or ever since. In other words, Peter, Joe isn't aging more poorly than we'd want or having an increasing number of senior moments. He's just lying and making things up like he always has. Of course, the problem with Karin Jean-Pierre saying that is obvious. It would then constitute an invitation for The Washington Post to start a running tally of Joe Biden's 30,000 lies. Here's another thing on my mind. I think we're all mature enough to accept, if not celebrate, Black History Month as we now are doing, though we should remind there are some who truly do hate it, like Morgan Freeman, who has said so several times. But is it too much to ask we cease politicizing it, using it to exploit political phantoms the left wants people to conjure about the right in America? Two days ago, speaking formally in the East Room of the White House, Vice President Kamala Harris spoke on the topic of celebrating Black History Month and said this, quote, History has also taught us that we must see clearly and speak the truth about the moment we are currently in. And today that means we must speak truth about the full-on attack we witness in states across our nation on our most fundamental freedoms, including the freedom to learn and acknowledge our nation's true and full history. Across our nation, we have witnessed extremists who try to erase our history. They censor history textbooks and cancel history classes. And yet today we see extremists who pass book bans. Book bans in this year of our Lord, 2024. 
and these extremists not only try to erase the past, but to rewrite it. In Florida, she continues, quote, the third largest state by population in our nation, so-called leaders intend to teach our children that enslaved people benefited from slavery. They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us. And as I said in Florida last summer, this is an abject and purposeful and intentional policy to mislead our children and to divide and distract our nation with unnecessary debates, close quote. I suppose we should be grateful for the year of our Lord part. Nice touch that, but sigh. Who was it on day one that actually censored, banned, took down the scholarship of the 1776 project that was commissioned by the prior administration on teaching American history? Oh, yes, that would be this administration, Kamala Harris's. And what books are banned that aren't considered age-inappropriate with themes prurient? Answer, none. And why are the elected leaders of Florida so-called leaders? Why does she call them so-called leaders? Are they illegitimate? Or is Kamala Harris an election denier? And where aware does any curriculum in Florida say the, quote, enslaved benefited from slavery? Nowhere. As we've pointed out again and again, including interview with the author of those Florida standards, and as Kamala Harris certainly knows, what the curriculum says is that some slaves learned trades, which is as accurate as saying Frederick Douglass was proud that he taught himself and other slaves to read. It is gutter politics to use race and God, as Kamala Harris does, to lie about her political opposition in order to elevate something we thought was sacred like Black History and Black History Month. It is also incongruous that she ended her speech saying this, quote, So let history remind us of the length and strength of the movements for progress. We know there is a coexistence between all that it is about and the history of the struggle and the history of celebration, close quote. Why is that incongruous? Because she has said a thousand times in counting, quote, our future is about what can be unburdened by what has been, close quote. Maybe Peter Ducey can ask her how history reminds us if we are to be unburdened by what has been. But then again, that would be for him to ask, as Alice did to Humpty Dumpty, to quit inventing things unburdened by reality. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-5089-60. We'll be right back. More on the special prosecutor's report when we are. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, coming to you live from the 960 Patriots studio, brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Uh, Mr. Bill, you'll remember my friend, uh, our friend and often guest here, Tevi Troy, once said to me, what was the name of that singer, you know, Tug McGraw's son? Remember that? And we made sport of Tevi for that. And he was talking to me about not knowing a lot about Toby Keith, honestly. And uh, I was really making sport of him for that. It's like me not knowing, I don't know, the designator hitter rule or something. Is that a thing? <laughs> it's a thing? Okay. <laughs> but I think, I think Toby Keith is more well-known and Tim McGraw are more well-known than even Tug McGraw, for that matter, or... 
the designated hitter rule. But, you know, in then to his defense, Storm's David Marcus, another guest of ours from here, who wrote on Twix, he said, you know, growing up in Philadelphia, New York, and Tevi grew up in New York and most of his life there, New York and Washington, David Marcus wrote, growing up in New York and Philadelphia, we, we didn't really listen and have a lot of country music. He said, um, we barely knew who Dolly Parton was. Is this possible? I was thinking of that with the 9 to 5 song that we just came in with. Is it possible that there are New Yorkers that – I don't think it's possible. I think that this is post hoc justification for cultural illiteracy. How do you not know these things? How do you not know these things? There are movie stars and TV stars. Tim McGraw, Dolly Parton, for example. Okay. You want me to get off this horse? You seem not that motivated by it. Um, I thought today would be a story about Joe Biden's speech last night where he confused Helmut Kohl for Angela Merkel. And the day before, or a few days before, confusing Francois Mitterrand for Emmanuel, Emmanuel Macron. In both cases, the wrong names he used to tell the same story with a lie built into it, which tells me the story couldn't have happened. I thought the story would be, now he's done it three times in a week. First with Francois Mitterrand and now with Helmut Kohl. Both long dead before the story could have taken place, as he tells it, because it was post-January 2021. And they died uh, in 2017 and, what, 1995, something like that, 25 years ago, uh, respectively. I thought that would be the story. It's not. It's not. It's the least problem we have. The story today is the special prosecutor's report on Joe Biden and the handling of classified documents. Here's the chase. Let me cut to it. The special prosecutor is recommending no indictment for Joe Biden and his mishandling mishandling of classified documents. The reason is more important than the conclusion. The reason is more important than the conclusion. And for all the blather and prattle we heard about constitutional crisis in this country when Donald Trump was president, my God, from day one, whether it was Jerry Nadler or Adam Schiff or Nancy Pelosi or you name it, we are in a constitutional crisis. We are in the midst of an existential threat to our constitution. We are in the midst of a threat to our country and an existential threat to our country. Every single week during the Trump presidency, well, let me tell you something. We got one now, baby. We got one now, and it takes gives me no joy to report on this. This is serious stuff. And who knew, who knew that the lack of an indictment would be the least important part of this report from the special prosecutor that came out today and is available on the Department of Justice's website? Let me quote from it directly, verbatim. In Hack Verba, page 208, he, Joe Biden, did not remember when he was vice president 
Remember, he's being interviewed by these special prosecutor attorneys, these federal prosecutors. Joe Biden did not remember when he was vice president, forgetting on the first day of the interview when his term ended. Quoting Joe Biden, if it was 2013, when did I stop being vice president? Close quote. He asked. When did he stop being vice president? He asks about the year 2013. When he was vice president. And forgetting on the second day of the interview when his term began. Quote, in 2009, am I still vice president? Close quote. That's the first year of his vice presidency. He's asking federal prosecutors, am I the vice president in 2009? Let me continue to quote from the report. He did not remember, even within several years, when his son Bo died. Maybe that explains a little bit about the various stories he tells about Bo's death. I don't know how mental acuity works. Most people can tell you to the day when their child died. He did not remember even within several years when his son Bo died. Let me continue. And his memory appeared hazy when describing the Afghanistan debate that was once so important to him. Among other things, he mistakenly said he had a real difference of opinion with General Carl Eikenberry when, in fact, Eikenberry was an ally whom Mr. Biden cited approvingly in his Thanksgiving memo to President Obama. Here's a sentence from the report. very sad. Mr. Biden's apparent lapses and failures will likely appear consistent with the diminished faculties and faulty memory he showed in our interview recordings with him. Diminished faculties and faulty memory in the president of the United States. This man who can't remember who his allies were on the issue of Afghanistan Do you worry that he might not remember who his allies are when he's meeting with our enemies or our opponents or people who are our allies? Do you worry about that? You should. A month before the election, a month before the election in 2020, Nancy Pelosi is proposing the 25th Amendment of the Constitution to get Donald Trump out because of his diminished capacity as a thing back then. A month before the election. Well, the 25th Amendment ought to be on the table now. The problem is what comes next. Do you know what comes back next? You know what comes next. Kamala Harris comes next. Constitutional crisis, you bet. I still don't understand those lyrics. If everyone had a surfboard across the USA, then everyone would be surfing out in California. Like California. Oh, it's like, not in. He's implying that everybody in California surfs, which is probably true of the late 60s. Yeah, yeah. And he's saying everybody would be surfing like California. Okay. Oh, like, okay. If everybody had an ocean is what he says. Not everybody had a surfboard, right? If everybody had an ocean. If everybody had an ocean. Better start the song again. I can't do that. You can't do that? All right. <laughs> we'll come back to it. We'll, come, we'll circle back. Yeah. Let's make a note. We have to analyze. Everybody we have to do an exegesis. Across the USA. 
that everybody be surfing like California IA. Okay, not in California IA. Like. Like. Implying that everybody in California okay. is surfing because right. they have an ocean. It may, okay, it makes a little more sense now. I we, think the analogy is lost, though, because our Pacific Northwestern states yeah. don't seem to share the same They have traditions. an ocean, yeah. 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 They're, they're surfing, yeah. but they're wearing their parkas. I don't know that they're surfing. That's a joke. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, like we were today <laughs> earlier. You didn't get. You didn't drive through the Noah's Ark storm. No, did it you? started after I arrived yeah. at work. Yeah. I was going to do a report on. What did you do last night? Did you? You went dancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, went dancing. And then what did you have for lunch or dinner? That um, would be dinner. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You didn't ask what I had for dinner. What did you have? I did a real crazy thing. What? On Wednesday nights, one of our local Mexican restaurants here does a uh, $2 bean burrito. Oh, wow. I upcharged and got cheese, <laughs> and so I had a bean and cheese burrito. <laughs> and, I, and I got the salsa packets that came with it, right? They give you free salsa packets, so I got red salsa, okay? You upcharged. I take that home. Yeah. And then I go, and I cook two strips of bacon yeah. and scramble two eggs, yeah. and I homemade a breakfast burrito. For dinner. Yeah. Yeah, it like really Denny's. more like a midnight snack at that point, but... Uh, like Denny's. Yeah, but it was. I mean, I don't think you can get a breakfast burrito at Denny's. You, pr- I, they say they serve breakfast twenty four hours a day. I don't know. I feel like I save money either way. You know why? Why I think they do that? There's an implicit, important psychological message there. It means you can start your day over any time of day. If you're having a bad moment or a bad day, you can always start your day over. I again. told you I've never been to a Denny's, right? No. You know what I want? I want a horn and hard art. I want automats. I want a sandwich machine in this office. It would be great if we could would go into the... It? Huh? Would you use it? Yes. You don't eat lunch. Because there's no food around. You could go in and get a tuna sandwich like in A Touch of Mink. Did you ever see the movie Touch of Mink with Doris Day and Cary Grant? Cary Grant, yeah, yeah. The last one closed in 1991. The last automat? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. They had now things. They, now it's, they now had things like baked halibut with spaghetti. Not even you would make that. I don't. Think. Oh, maybe. But uh, now you just go to McDonald's and it's like an automat. Everybody is. You just go to the the register and you press the buttons on the iPad and the food just comes out. Seriously? Somebody, oh yeah, they've just all but gotten rid of uh, counter. So McDonald's is basically a horn registers. and heart. It's basically a horn and heart art now. It's Essentially, like yeah. Really? Ever since 2020 and COVID happened, You're most kidding. of these fast food restaurants have gotten rid of the person that stands at the register. It's just people in the back that are making the food, and you do it all on an iPad. And if you require assistance because you're technologically inept, then you know somebody can come to the register because they still have the old ones that are holdovers. But most of these newer uh McDonald's and Taco Bells and places like that will just have you, like, order on an iPad or something. It's ridiculous. I don't want people to think I'm some kind of food snob um, because I didn't know that about McDonald's. The fact is when I go to McDonald's, I usually use the drive-thru. I'm a common man like John Conley sings, right? Let me drive us to McDonald's and I'll talk to you concerning concerning something you should really know. I'm just a common man, you know? Um, I am. I, I, I I'm a McDonald's fan. I just usually have <laughs> evidently for three years been going through the drive-thru. I guess that's true. Um, but a sandwich machine. Can we talk to the new suits upstairs about getting a sandwich machine in our break room, please? I suspect it would be prohibitively expensive. Well, no. It pays for itself because you pay for your sandwich. We'd have to ask Harry for it help. It pays for itself. 
Here's the problem. You know what the real problem is with this special report? Joe Biden just walked into it again. I don't know who's his attorney. I'll read you his statement when we come back. Will we come back with common man as well, perhaps? Maybe. Yeah, we'll do an exegesis, an exegesis on common man and the Beach Boys. But I want to read Joe Biden's statement about the special prosecutor's report, too. It was a statement against interest. We'll be right back. I think I'm only for the automat if it also dispenses soup. (laughs) I love this. Yeah, that's me. I'll take a Chevrolet just any day, so give your daddy back his Mercedes Benz. I love that. I wonder if McDonald's and Chevrolet got uh, residuals. I I don't know. I don't know. They seem to have enough money, both of those. Uh, yeah, everyone already, seems yeah. to be doing fine, yeah. It's one of those cases where the promoter doesn't make as much money as that would be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah, usually yeah, the case, I suppose. I don't make as much money as... Uh, I don't know the things I promote. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think I do. Anyway, McDonald's, all in. Um, I had. I oh, I went to our uh, to our favorite watering hole what? last night. Yes, you didn't invite me. I went to the. Well, I had a big run with my buddy Hugh, and then we. Uh, Is that three times this week? We run three times a week on a good week. Yeah. Yeah, but that's also three times at the drummer. I mean. Oh, just stop it! You have to eat. Yeah, I had a tuna know, melt. It was del- it was have... delicious. Oh, they they have tuna melts. Yeah, grilled tuna. Wow. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that. Did you see anybody we know? Mm. Isabella was there actually. Oh yeah, did she wait on you? No, she was she was off in civilian. Yeah, garb? civilian. Um, okay, back to the special prosecutor's report, special counsel's report. Um, here's the statement from President Biden on it. And this is damning. He said, and he published on the White House website, the special counsel released today its findings about its look into my handling of classified documents. I was pleased to see they reached the conclusion I believed all along they would reach, that there would be no charges brought in this case, and the matter is now closed. This was an exhaustive investigation going back more than 40 years, even into the 1970s when I was a young senator. I cooperated completely, threw up no roadblocks, and sought no delays. In fact, I was so determined to give the special counsel what they needed that I went forward with five hours of in-person interviews over two days on October 8th and 9th of last year. Even though Israel had just been attacked on October 7th and I was in the middle of handling an international crisis. I just believed that's what I owed the American people so they could know no charges would be brought and the matter closed. Do you know why this is a statement against interest? He's praising the special counsel's conclusions, and he's talking about how seriously he took it, and he's talking about how he was exonerated by it. Well, he sure took that a lot more seriously than war that was erupting in the Middle East, obviously. The reason it's a statement against interest is because he's praising the report, which also says, quote, he did not remember when he was vice president, forgetting when his term ended, asking if it was 2013 when he stopped being vice president and forgetting when his term began, asking in 2009, am I still vice president? The report goes on. He did not remember even within several years when his son Bo died and his memory appeared hazy when describing the Afghanistan debate that was once so important to him, among other things, mistakenly saying he had a real difference of opinion 
with General Carl Eikenberry when, in fact, Eikenberry was an ally. He's praising the report and the conclusions of the report that are based on that. Why are they based on that? Because that is what the special counsel says is the reason we shouldn't indict him, because the jury would find that the diminished faculties and faulty memory he showed, their words in the report, will likely influence a jury not to convict. That was the reason. He will come off without the requisite intent because he has diminished faculties and faulty memory. That was what the special prosecutor wrote, special counsel wrote, and that's what Joe Biden is saying in that statement. He was glad to have them publicize, publish. He's agreeing with the conclusions of the report that are based on those things. He was not going to be indicted. He was not. He is not going to be indicted because he won't be convicted by a jury because they will see his diminished faculties and faulty memory. That's why he will not be indicted, according to the report that he just said he agrees with. Statement against interest, by the way. Former federal prosecutor Andy McCarthy made a really good point earlier today. If the special prosecutor, I keep saying that, I'm sorry, the special counsel, if the special counsel says that a jury will likely not find him guilty because they won't find the necessary intent, think about it. That means that the Special counsel, the federal prosecutors, already think there's enough to go to a jury with. They're already talking about what the jury may or may not find. That means indictable by any other measure. If they're talking about what the jury will find and will find he didn't have the necessary intent because of his diminished capacity, that means there's enough to indict him on to take it to a jury. It's a fascinating point, and it is fascinating that the White House and all the king's horses and all the king's men keep thinking it's okay to put him in front of a microphone and say these kinds of things that indict himself. Constitutional crisis between 2017 and 2020. By the way, yes, your point, young David. Yes, in the midst of, in the freshness in the ripeness of the attack on Israel, he's confusing his positions on Afghanistan. Yes, your point. Exactly. It confuses me and concerns me greatly that over the weekend, 8th and 9th would have been a Sunday in my back, uh-huh. but over the weekend when there were enemy forces on the ground in allied territory of ours, that he would choose to take six hours out of his schedule to run an interview. Mm-hmm. And that he would not postpone this interview, that instead, well, Hamas terrorists were in Israeli territory occupying it Mm -hmm. with hostages and 1,700 Mm -hmm. were lying dead. Mm -hmm. He said, all right, you know what, this is a great time for me to take six hours out of my busy schedule when war could be erupting in the Middle East. We had no idea what this was going to look like mm-hmm. on October 8th and mm-hmm. 9th if there was going to be an attack from the north or mm-hmm. Iranian involvement more so than there already was. Mm-hmm. He decided to just uh, take six hours out of that most crucial weekend instead of saying postponing the interview. Or well, yeah, but I mean in the, the middle of it, too, he's admitting 
not deliberately, he is admitting sotto voce by, and, and by negative implication, he doesn't know when his son died, he doesn't know when he was vice president, he didn't know when he became vice president, and he didn't know what side he was on in, Af- in, in Afghanistan vis-a-vis General Eikenberry, his closest ally. All right after Israel is attacked, and supposedly we should really have a president of the United States when our chief ally takes on an attack like the likes of which had never been seen before. There's another point here that has to be made as well, and I'll make it when we come right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Y Refi. They offer an investment in a secure and collateralized portfolio where you can earn up to a ten and a quarter percent fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. It's an investment where you are in control. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. Total peace of mind. There's no attack on principle. If you ever need your money back, there are absolutely no fees. Of course, you get a monthly statement with no surprises. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24, 888-YREFI-24. There's another element to all of this, and I missed this when it came out couple days ago, and it came out just a couple days ago, an NBC poll. You think NBC's uh, in the tank for the Republican Party? An NBC poll. Guess how many Americans polled by NBC three days ago? So this is even before this report. Guess how many think Joe Biden has the necessary mental and physical health to be president for a second term? That's the question. Does Joe Biden have the necessary mental and physical health to be president for a second term? What's your guess? How many Americans believe that? 24%. Is that, that's lower than you were going to guess, I bet. I would, I would have gone a little bit higher. Yeah, little I higher. would have too. I would have too. I would have just guessed based on partisanship. It would have at least been 30 3%, less than a quarter of Americans polled by NBC News thinks, and this is three. This is before what we learned today. This is before we learned he didn't know when he was vice president, twice. Or when his son died. Or the circumstances of it. Or who General Eikenberry's side was on with regard to Afghanistan. Three days before that. Folks, I am telling you, this is a constitutional crisis. It gives me no pleasure to report on it, as it gave me no pleasure when I was talking about the Clinton stuff. It's serious. It's serious. Never mind what it means when he's going to be talking with opponents of our country, enemies of our country, negotiating with people like Xi Jinping or Putin or any of the other countries of concern or allies. When Kennedy came back from meeting Khrushchev a little prematurely, he said Khrushchev kicked his you-know-what. Soon we got the Berlin Wall, Cuban Missile Crisis and the like. This This is a crisis. And... Whatever's done about it, if something should be done about it and something needs to be, 
it's solved by having Kamala Harris as the president. Think about that. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.